Welcome to the Canine PT Academy podcast. Business lessons for canine rehabilitation therapists. Introducing your host, Dr. Francisco Maya. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Canine PT Academy podcast, Business Lessons for Canine Rehabilitation Therapists. So today's podcast is an interview with a veterinary nurse and CCRP from Western Australia, Carmel Keylock. But before we get to it, just wanted to give you guys some updates. If you're listening to this episode as it's coming out on June 29th, uh, I am going to be flying back home from the UK. So if you have been following me on social media, then you have seen how this trip has been going. And I'm sure afterwards I'm going to have a lot of lessons to kind of like share with you guys as well. Hopefully the flight back. Uh, is going uh, uh, well with a toddler. Uh, it is a day flight. We are the flight down. It's going to be at least an overnight flight. So we're going to see how those goes because I can't look into the future right now because I'm recording this podcast ahead of it, of course. <laughs> um, but the one thing I keep mentioning that I'm just going to mention it again is once I get back from vacation in July, we're going to record an Ask Me Anything episode. So if you have any burning questions you've been you've been wanting to ask me, please follow the link on the show notes to the Google form. Send us the question, and I'll answer your question on the podcast episode that is going to come out in mid July. Uh, the questions on the podcast episode are going to be completely anonymous, but if you do leave your name on the form, then I can follow up with you afterwards to make sure you don't have any follow up questions. Okay. So today's episode, which I titled The Importance of an Abundance Mindset and a Support System in Canine Rehabilitation, like I alluded it with Carmel, uh, it was amazing to hear more about her journey. Um, I apologize a little bit just for the audio that it wasn't, uh, um, it wasn't the best audio, but you know, uh, I think hopefully you can still take a lot away from it. Um, but you know, Carmel has been, you know, she's going to talk about it, but she has been in this field of animal physio now going to about 30 years, 30 plus years. And of course, because of that, she has an array of knowledge and experiences to to tell us. And this this podcast interview honestly could have kept going for hours and hours and hours. Um, but we had to cut it at some point, especially given the time zone difference uh, where she is 13 hours ahead of me. But, you know, which which it does bring up to one of the takeaways that I had from it, which, you know, in terms uh, uh, in terms of that abundance mindset and, and, and having a support system and how we are stronger together is how because of technology nowadays, it's much easier for us to have this support system that. 20 plus years ago, it was much harder, right? We're all connected nowadays through platforms like WhatsApp, like Facebook and, and whatnot. Uh, even this podcast, too. It is amazing for me to, you know, when I check the analytics of the podcast to see, you know, us, of course, majority of our listeners are in the United States, but we get a great number of listeners from all over the world, from Canada to Brazil, Australia, South Africa, Singapore, Germany, United Kingdom, Spain, Belgium. I mean, I'm, I'm forgetting kind of like quite a few over there, but it's just always cool to see all these countries popping up 
you know, where people are downloading and, and listening. And that's what is really exciting about uh, doing this. It's about the, the connecting with you guys and, and give you guys the support uh, through this podcast and even like through my uh, uh, some of my programs. You know, Karma was someone from Australia who has taken that program, have had other people from Australia, people from Singapore, people from South Africa, people from Europe, from Canada. And that's really exciting um because it it allows us to create a support system that like i said 20 years ago would have been very different you know and and the field of animal rehab sometimes can feel very isolating because it's very different um a lot of a lot of times because you know we don't we're not working we don't have all these people around us geographically they are doing what we're doing that we tend to do a lot of stuff together like you know i did as a physical therapist like when i was a physical therapist working for, at a sports medicine clinic, there were three, four other clinicians that I could talk and bounce back ideas from and that kind of stuff. And although some of us do work in clinics that have more than one uh, physical therapist or, or rehab therapist working at, a lot of us are kind of like solo into this as well. So it's very important for us to build that support system and not feel isolated. So that's one of the takeaways I took from it. The other one was in terms of hiring, um, not in terms of hiring, the process of hiring, but in terms of like, if you get to the point where you're hiring staff, then you need to support them in their professional journey as well. Okay, and that I feel it's a lesson that I have learned over the last couple of years myself as I have hired and grew the KNIPT because you're, you're not going to be able to grow a business just yourself. At, at one point in time when it was just yourself, it was about you giving all the love, giving all the attention to your patients and your clients. But then at one point, if you are growing and expanding, then that love and, and that attention needs to shift towards your team so they can feel supported, so then they can give the love and the attention to your clients, you know, because you're not going to be able to do that for everyone yourself, right? And they're a lot of clients and patients at our clinic in Chicago that I, I I never get to know them in person, but I know that they're very well taken care of because of the way our staff takes care of them. And it's very important for me then to support my staff because of that, okay? And then the other thing that Carmel touched upon, which I thought it was very interesting because it is something that I, 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 I tend to talk quite a bit about as well. It is, you know, it was about how we need to learn we it's about how we need to learn how to use what we learn as a clinician rather than just keep learning more and more okay and how it's not just about getting all the credentials behind your name and doing all the different courses that are out there but it's about also understanding how we can implement this into the real world you know and that's something that i definitely have kept talking, uh, you know, over and over again before. So it was kind of like an interesting thing to hear from someone who, who, who has a lot of wisdom and a lot of uh, uh, knowledge to kind of like share with me and, you know, on this podcast episode, share with you guys as well. So I hope you find this uh, interview as enlightening as I did. Um, and if you have any uh, questions you want me to answer once I'm back from vacation, please don't forget to fill out the form with the link on the show notes. Okay. All right. Let's go to the interview with Carmel. Carmel.
Okay, thank you so much. Uh, today we have Carmo Keelock all the way from Perth, Australia. So I'm very excited to get on this podcast interview with Carmo. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. It's a long way to go without going. It's long way. It's days. like, you know, yeah, for the podcast listeners, you know, it is like a Sunday evening, my time, Monday morning. Carmel's time. So she's about to start her week. I'm about to go sleep afterwards, but very excited to, to get this going and help uh, uh, showcase to our listeners, you know, a little bit more about your business. You have been on, you know, on this journey for a long time and thus, yeah, you know, yeah. and then for us to talk a little bit more about, you know, animal physio as a whole in Australia, business mm -hmm. ownership and whatnot. But before we get into any of that, um, would you mind introducing yourself to a podcast listeners and telling a little bit more about your, your background and how you got into the field of animal physio? Sure. Um, I started out my life with animals, um, obviously animals at home and horses when I was young. Um, I went into veterinary nursing to um, as a career. And while I was veterinary nursing, I was in country Western Australia, which most people won't be familiar with, but it's, it's pretty, um, if it can't be fixed with a piece of fencing wire, then what, you know, what good is it? So we, um, are very resourceful people will mm -hmm. create things to fix things that normally in the cities you can go and buy something off the shelf or in other countries because Western Australia is a long way from anywhere. Um, yeah. So I was in country Western Australia. There's a lot of uh, working sheep dogs falling off the back of the huge, getting um, lots of orthopedic injury. Um, so big working dogs, big hunting dogs, all of those sorts of characters. And we'd often see those. Um, when I was at nursing, where they would have smashed up pelvises. This is this is back in the 1980s, you know, when um, when anti-inflammatories didn't exist. Pain medication for animals, like oh my gosh, if you gave them pain medication, mess up whatever surgery you've done to them, you know. So we'd be our walking dogs with smashed up pelvises. We'd be um, you know, doing this basic rehabilitation stuff because there was nothing out there. Mm -hmm. And um, I just found that I had this natural interest in getting things better. Long story short, I went to the UK for a six-month working holiday and found out about animal physiotherapy and pestered one of the two associations that were over there to train me. Originally, I was thinking I would go into horses, but after six months, including a UK winter of training, doing horse yard after horse yard after horse yard in the freezing cold. But because I had so much experience with the small animals, I could extrapolate what we were doing with the horses and find things that would work for the dogs as well. So mm -hmm. um, not a standard educational background for rehabilitation. So neither of the associations were much keen on training me to start with. One of them gave up in the end. And so I got all my training with the um, electrical therapies, manual therapies. Hydrotherapy was so new back then. Um, although I had suggested to somebody with a, a dog that had a, 
a um, FHO or hip removal that they carry the dog to the end of the jetty, put the dog in the water and swim it back to shore so that that helped to build the muscle. That was before we had anything, you know, so that was in the 80s. That was a while ago. Yeah. You know, so I was doing that stuff without realising that I was doing physiotherapy or rehab type therapy, Um, you know. And so eventually I came out the end of my animal uh, physio training I took a job in a veterinary specialist practice as an inpatient nurse. So I dealt with the inpatient following the massive orthopedic surgeries, lots and lots of spinal surgery. You know, so I saw those sorts of um, surgeries from the inside and the recoveries from top-notch specialists doing it and also saw some spectacular failures even of the surgeries they were doing Although, to be fair, they were usually repairing the repairs that had gone wrong. You know, so if they were repairing a repair and the repair of the repair went wrong, those dogs had nowhere to go. You know, or we'd get um, dogs with three legs with fractures and, you know, having to manage all of that. But I worked with them for a while. Then I went out on my own doing rehab on referral. So I was a mobile practitioner. Mm-hmm. in the West Midlands in the UK. Um, and then ultimately I came back home. A couple of the contacts that I had in the UK had moved home before me, so I remade the contact with them and was lucky enough to um, be in with one of the practices that was investigating aqua treadmill. And they said, you know, what's the story with this? Is it just a flash in the pan, is it just something that's trying to sell me? And I went, well, if you guys are not, you know, they said, would you manage it for us? I said, even more than that, if you guys aren't with the way it's running in two years, mm-hmm. then I will buy the machine off you. So I literally just got back in the country, didn't have anywhere to put one of my own order funding. And so that was how it started. So then I had my own static practice. That was 2008. And so I was just working with um, all the rehab experience I had plus the aqua treadmill. And I went back and forth a couple of times to Tennessee to do my um, uh, refreshers. I probably should have mentioned as well that I tried to get into the first year of the uh, CCRP. Funny story. CCRP, um, but I was too late for the first year admission. So the minute they opened for the second year, I was lining up saying, here I am, booking it, and I was living in the UK at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, about three and a half months later, I found out that I was pregnant, which meant <laughs> that I was going to have to go to the course at eight months pregnant. Oh, wow. And, um, I, my husband and I spoke about it, and we went, you know what, if I don't do it now, I won't do it. Because I was like 39, <laughs> very geriatric pregnancy. Um, but, you know, and so there I was, front row in Tennessee, beat up, big bulge. <laughs> so my son, who's now 17, he, um, when I was re watching the videos of the practical sessions, this little baby would go, oh, and look at the screen, you know, because he, he had heard. <laughs> Um, Deb and all her 
um, speaking, he recognised mm. the voice. So that was quite funny. But that's that I mean, that's really funny. Wow. Yeah. So I'd done my CCRP, came back to Australia, set up a static business, um, and I've been there ever since, really. Yeah. Uh, about 10 years after that, one of the vets in the group that we we run the treadmill for approached me about another practice with another group um, vet. And so then I went, opportunity to see more patients, get more help for more dogs because I was, you know, very busy working in the practice, in the practice, in the practice, always working in the practice and not having time out. Mm-hmm. Because it started out as a lifestyle business, not a business business. You know, and so it, it, I would do it differently now, knowing what I know. But for everybody who's new at it, it's very hard to take that step or make that belief that you, the first person you should employ, is a backup house person. You know, if you're busy trying to make enough money for the business to run, it's hard to see how somebody who doesn't generate income is going to improve your business so much more you know that mm-hmm. that's something that um, mentors, mentors all the way along have told me but it's taken me until francisco here to actually go yeah okay i understand the concept <laughs> yeah trying to do this you know? yeah and, uh, yeah so it's that's how it started and now we have two static practices with aqua treadmill in Mm-hmm. And I have staff that help me. So I go between the two, seeing initial assessments, and then the staff help to carry the, the, the um, treatments through. And I'm checking in with each of the patients at, at periodic points to make sure that everybody's happy. So that's where we are now. Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, that's quite a journey. Road. That's a long road. That's a that's yeah. an awesome journey. And I'm sure, like you know, we could go on for hours and hours in terms of, you know, all the things that you have learned along that you know that journey kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, tr- yeah. truly one of the pioneers in in, <laughs> in in doing this. To be quite honest, and and yeah. and. And that's what I would like to understand a little bit more, right? Because, yeah, you, you started your career as an animal physio yes. when you were in the UK. Yes. But then how how did it go? I don't even know exactly when it was, but when was it and how did it go when you moved back home to Perth and started right. like offering these services? Was, was anyone else doing this? Were you the first one? What were the challenges that you encountered at that point in time? Right. I was definitely the first one with an aqua treadmill. And okay. I, I forgot to slot in there that when I was in the UK and as working with the specialist practice, I was also working with a hydrotherapy centre who mm-hmm. had one of the early aqua treadmills over there as well. So I was at one point I was doing day uh, lectures for uh, people that were interested in setting up their own hydrotherapy centres and running their own aqua treadmills. Okay. Um, but I'm I'm not I still don't count myself as an expert or necessarily a pioneer. There were pioneers before me who trained me, and uh, you know, so I don't. I might have been a pioneer in Western Australia, but you know, it. I still don't see myself as as anyone uh, 
cleverer than anybody else. I'm just a bit older than a few of you guys. That's <laughs> <laughs> about the only qualification I have. I've been here long. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you know, the 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 fact that yeah, you're already doing this and you know, learning about this, like I said, early yeah. 90s, even late 80s and stuff. That's yeah. you know, that's why I mentioned, you know, being a pioneer. And then of course I knew that when you went back to Western Australia, this wasn't really, you know, like a thing over there. Yeah. And you kind of like really got it going. And yeah. you know how um, you know, and then you have, you know, active pet rehab, you know, your business yep. with multiple locations. Did you always see yourself as a business owner? You know, is that something that you're always um, like, you know what, eventually that's what I want to do? Or it was just like the pathway you had to follow? Yeah, I think that um, primary school age me, High school age me probably mm -hmm. didn't think I was going to be a business owner, but the business okay. I was owning was horse stud management. You know, I had never ever had on my radar that I would be mm -hmm. um, rehabilitating small animals. Um, but then the careers offered that said, you know, there's veterinary nursing. Um, yeah. I went, oh, I'll get paid. I'm, I might apply for that. And of course, <laughs> I got that. And, and, uh, then the veterinary nursing, I never, ever considered myself to be clever enough to be a vet, but six months into the vet nurse training, I decided I was far too clever to be a vet <laughs> because <laughs> they had so much more pressure on them. You know, I got yeah. to clean up, go home, clock on, clock off, but here I am now running my own business where you never get to clock on and clock off. <laughs> You're yeah. always the one who cleans up at the end of the day been this right. anyway, you know, so, so yeah. that's the irony of it. I might just turn that light off actually now that it's daylight out here. Just, is that okay? Um, it's up to you, you know, if you want to turn it off. It's this is oh, just, yeah, a, of course, you yeah, know, this is fine. This it's is just, fine. it's just a podcast, so it's not bothering yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> People no, are not going to be able good. to see you. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then what, what would you say were the challenges that you encountered as, uh, uh, both as a business owner in general at that point in time, but also in terms of being, you know, at the forefront of offering this kind of service in, in, in Western Australia? Yeah. Originally when I trained to do the rehab, my intention was to come straight home, but mm -hmm. I very quickly worked out that it was a tiny field, even in the UK. And what I felt was that I needed more support from people that were in the field, um, which obviously didn't exist then. Facebook mm -hmm. was barely brand new. Yeah. You know, so being supported by people that were half a world away didn't really exist. So I felt that staying in the UK and working more in a in a area where there were more physios doing stuff um, was going to be better for me to start with. So that was why I didn't head straight home. And then, you know, it you get comfortable where you are and so you just stay and you stay. But having a small person around makes you focus a bit more and think, yeah, perhaps Western Australia is a better lifestyle for a growing child than um, the UK. And so that was what prompted me to move back home when I did. But I had also made a couple of, couple of veterinary links while I was in the UK 
And as I said, they moved home before me. So I already had a semi-network once I finally did come home just to feed in referrals, you know, do that sort of thing. Plus also being a vet nurse here before I left, I was familiar with a lot of the vets that were still around when I got back, you know, so it's not as if I was a stranger from a foreign land coming and talking about a strange thing, you know. All the way through my um, rehab life, there's always been where's the research, where's the research, where's the research, you know, the vet, the stonewalling all the time because where's the research? But now, of course, there's so much research out there, we don't even have that question. It's more about tell me more about how I can do this or tell me more about what my patients need than Mm -hmm. it is about where's the research. Yeah. So that's a big improvement. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing. And yeah, it's 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 kind of like interesting, you know, you sharing the a big challenge you had early on. And the reason why you were in the UK for a bit was to have that support, you know, around yeah. you rather than feeling isolated. Because yeah, before things like Facebook and you know, other things like WhatsApp and whatnot, yeah. it, it, it you know, it was a different world, you know, and it would yeah. be very hard to have that support. And and sometimes I feel we take it for granted, like how easy it is today, you know, where here, yeah. he, here you are, like you and I yeah. Yeah. getting on this call. Uh, you know, we, you and I got on multiple coaching calls yeah. and I like as well, even though we are 13 hours apart when you were going through, you know, our business accelerator program. Yeah. And, and it's just amazing to see over the last you know, 20, 25 years or so, how technology has really helped, you know, pivot just like life in general, but then even small, small businesses like ours, where now we're able to have a community of other animal physios and rehab therapists all together, even though we are in like completely different, you know, parts of the world. And that's just kind of like really, really, you know, it's just really fascinating. Um, and then, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, I think that the rise of Facebook and um, all the social media things has also brought much more interest from pet owners. Oh, absolutely. They see what's happening everywhere else in the world and go, if they can have it, why can't we have it? Oh, look at that. There's somebody here that does that. Who knew? Mm-hmm. I still get from a lot of patients, I never even knew you existed. I never even knew rehab mm-hmm. for thing, you know. And it's like that's pushing 20-odd years on, you know. It's like, yeah, been here a while. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's fascinating for, even from that sense as well. It, it gives people the exposure that, like, oh, this, this exists. Yes. Even though, yeah. even though they might see through like a social media account of a business, a clinic in another yeah. country, then it can lead towards them researching and trying to find someone yeah. close to them. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely. And then, how is animal physio today in Australia? Then, can you can you give us kind of like a snapshot on like what are the main challenges that that as a whole, you know, you guys face in the field? Is it well accepted by a veterinary community? Do they send to send you guys a lot of referrals? Um, yeah, I get a lot of referrals, and I think uh, quite a few of the other girls that do it over here are getting um, a fair few referrals. 
but they're still pretty much owner driven. There's a meeting that we were at yesterday, um, or panel discussion, you know, the, the physio mm-hmm. was mostly owner driven and then getting the vet referral. So I absolutely stand on my patients have to have a vet referral. Right. Um, initially, because that's what the association that I was connected with in the UK required, which is fine. Um, and then when there were so few of us here and so many people wanting to come, having a vet referral was a extra um, qualifier, I suppose. You know, it made sure that the people that were coming were serious about rehabbing their pet, not just going, mm-hmm. oh, I can pop into the physio and, and get my back sorted in, you know, and then I don't have to come back for anything else. Or you know, That's not the same as human physio over here is um, more of an alternative therapy, I suppose, than an yeah. front, except for surgical patients. But, um, you know, people will go to their physio or go to their chiro or go to their um, massage practitioner, but they don't tend to need a referral from the vet. So when I stand on you need a vet referral for this, it means that the quality of our work is that much better because the dog has had a proper diagnosis, not somebody saying, oh, he's limping. I bet he's done his knee. He's like, yeah, well, actually, that's probably his final problem he's got. Do you know what I mean? It's yes. just that. So yeah. I, I am fairly strict about my people yeah. having a vet referral unless they're booking a massage package. You know, if they're bu- buying a package of massages, then they don't need a referral for that. But everything else does because we need to know that the problem that we're treating is the actual root cause, yeah. and they don't have other things going on, like pushing, hypothyroid, yeah. stuff like that, that's going to impact right. our treatment. Right, and keeping that line of communication with the veterinarian, too, that are working with the pets. I feel like, you know, of course, that's, you know, super important for mm-hmm. for 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 the best care of the patient, basically, Absolutely. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one thing that is set out that you, you mentioned a little bit earlier too, that I wanted to talk about, but you mentioned that, um, you know, one of the lessons you learned during this whole journey is to first, you, you first would have hired like an office based person, administrative yes. staff first, yeah. rather than, yeah. you know, another, uh, like clinician provider kind of stuff. So yeah, yeah tell us more a little about that. What? What is your, your rationale there? Well, just walking my dog this morning, I'm thinking, well, I've got to get in and clean my treadmill. You know, mm-hmm. this is maintenance stuff. So it's me that does that, not anybody else. Mm-hmm. I, the uniform are getting shabby. I've got to locate new uniforms. You know, I'm mm-hmm. thinking, I should have outsourced this stuff. I need a manager, somebody that I can just go, yeah, just do this bit for me. And also with the... Being busy in the hands-on, which I absolutely love, there's, of course, there's all the reporting and supporting of the vets as well. So reporting mm-hmm. to the vets, if there's insurance companies involved, we've got to report to them. You know, paperwork mm-hmm. is definitely not why I signed up for animal rehab, you know. And so having somebody who can manage all of that and so that you can focus on doing your best work is just you know, it really is the logical step 
but it's one that we're all, well, I found hesitant to take because it, it, you have to create, you have to work twice as hard to pay two people rather than one, you know. So that was my, oh, this is going to be, maybe yeah. I should just keep doing this myself. So that was a long time before I learned that. You figured that out. Yeah. Mm. I even did. Yeah. I did a podcast episode maybe about three or four months ago. Don't remember that. Like, uh, and that's something I commonly see that it's mo mo most people in our field. So it's, it wasn't just you. We think that, well, no. I'm getting busy, right? I started this business. This is just me and I'm getting busy. So the thought process is, well, let me hire another therapist so they can yeah. see my patients and then it's going to save me time to do demonstrative yeah. stuff yeah. and whatnot. And not saying that that cannot, you know, it doesn't work, but I, I went the opposite way, yeah. you know, because of the guidance that I have in, yes. in this mentorship. And I'm really glad mm -hmm. that I did because what I've realized is, is that, is that if you, if you hired another therapist first, then suddenly you're going to be doing the administrative stuff for two people plus yeah. seeing your patients and everything yeah. else. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's kind of like the challenge. So, you know, I think as long as we budget and we plan and we know that, yeah. Hey, I'm going to hire an administrative person. And this person is not going to necessarily bring direct revenue to the business, meaning they're not going to be seeing patients. They still going to free up my time. And yeah. if they free up my time, then it makes it easier for me to see more patients. So they create yeah. revenue, but kind of like, mm -hmm. just not in a direct kind of way. Yeah. Absolutely. And I know when I, when I now, now that I have staff around me, when mm -hmm. the, the staff are doing um, a lot of the back work instead mm -hmm. of me, it's just like, oh, thank goodness, somebody else is doing that. <laughs> you know, it needs to be done. It's just so nice to have someone else happy to pick that up rather mm -hmm. than me having to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I appreciate things so much for sharing, you know, that kind of like tidbit with us and are there any other you know bigger lessons from this journey you have had over the years that you kind of like would like to share with the podcast listeners um yeah i think that there's a couple of things that i live by number one is this little um um then proverb before enlightenment chopping wood carrying water after enlightenment, chopping wood, carrying water, you know. So it's great to go, if I just had this qualification, if I just had that qualification, if I just, but at the end of the day, you still have to do the do, whether you've got, you know, highly advanced qualifications or just your basic qualifications. It's it's about the doing, not the, I love education, I love learning stuff, but it's not about that, it's about, getting down there and doing the do's, getting your hands on, you, know, you still have to do all the stuff, even if you are much cleverer than you were before you took this new course. You know, everything you do brings value, but sometimes you have to, unless you're an absolute um, freak for learning. <laughs> I mean, I've got the Vet Rehabber T-shirt on, never mm -hmm. stop learning, which mm -hmm. is great. I don't tend to want to do... This 18-month course, that 12-month course, you know, back to back. If I had all the, if I had all the information, the Chinese medicine, the acupuncture, all that sort of stuff, my head would explode. You know, right. something would pop out. 
So I think that starting from where everybody is, it's just don't don't expect that getting more education is going to change things. And um, the other thing I'm also a big believer in is that it doesn't matter what qualification you have, it's what you do with that qualification. And it's mm -hmm. not the learning itself because there's plenty of things that we learn and then we just put them on the shelf. Go, I'm going to mm -hmm. move on to the next thing to learn. You know, it's how you use what you've learned is the most important Thing, how you show up knowing what you've learned rather than just great I did that now I'm going to go on to something else or or I've done this wonderful course in massage laser whatever um, exercises if only I knew more about you know if only I knew more about pain or then you look at pain and then you go oh there's a lot of pain comes from the gut. If I knew more about nutrition, you know, there's all these different things that you could learn and learn and learn. Mm -hmm. But it's it, you still got to get there and do the do, and it's the, only in the doing the do that you um, prove who you are. I suppose you know. I've seen a lot of people come with all these wonderful qualifications. Hey, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm, mm -hmm. you know, setting up this, that and the other. And that's lovely. And where are they now? Who knows? <laughs> but they're not in canine rehab, you know. Mm -hmm. It's it's about your own self-belief and dedication. Yeah. Love it. Thanks for sharing. Yeah, there was a, a, another podcast episode that, recorded you know that that it's coming out actually before your episode so by the time people listen to it they'll have listened but we talked about the e-myth book have you read that book before yes. the e-myth yeah. for business owners yeah. and and i can't remember exactly what was the the, vets, yeah actually. yeah and there's one for all yeah. different professions including vets yeah. and stuff and 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 and, and the, there is a story in the book and i'm trying to remember exactly how it goes, but it's it's about a, a business owner that sells uh, uh, pies, you know, and 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 this business owner thinks that it's all about become you know having the best pie in their states, without mm -hmm. realizing that you can have the best product out there, but what good is having the best product if yeah. people are not finding about you if people yeah. don't realize that like yeah this is the best buy right so a little bit to what you said is like yeah it's wonderful to go through all the qualifications and all the training and 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 and, and working and becoming a better clinician but what good is it if you don't learn how to apply that to the real world and how to yeah. be in front of people be in front of the dogs right and being able to actually put all of the pieces of the puzzle together yeah totally um, and then, you know, you have grown your business quite a bit. When was it that Active Pet Rehab opened? Right. So when, when I came back to um, Western Australia, was I set it up in 2008. Okay. In 2018, we went to two branches. Okay. Yeah, we do have another one, but that's called My Home Office. So <laughs> it's only patients that don't need to get wet that come to my home office. Okay. <laughs> so so you've been now so you active pet now it's been around for 15 years and you have then multiple locations. And you're making me feel old. 
<laughs> no, no, that's okay. That, you know, that's not that's not bad. That's wonderful. You know, it just shows you know resilience. You know, because yeah, a, yeah, a, a lot of businesses don't last that long. You know, no. so so it's 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 an amazing accomplishment, right? Yeah. And then and then for you to grow, also, you know, you you had to grow beyond just yourself, right? Because yeah. you can't. You you haven't yet cloned Carmo, so you can only be no. in one place at one time, right? So so I'd love Don't to hear more about. <laughs> I'd love to hear more about your your experience and stuff from that standpoint of like adding adding people to your team and 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 you know making that work it out for you and for them yeah. too, of course. I did find it really hard. Um, with my, I did find it really hard, you know, I've, I've always been a team player in terms of team in the veterinary practice and all that sort of stuff, but I, running my own team and supporting my own team, it, when, particularly through COVID, when it's like you, you don't even have brain space to work out what on earth is going on in your own, mm-hmm. so supporting people, um, support my clients, support my staff, you know, because they, yeah, anyway, but thank goodness for um, Tristan White, who's a human physio who runs the Physio Co. Uh, and he has a book out called Culture is Everything. And okay. so he was talking about the culture of running a team and how you've got to have a good culture for your team. And so there was I with people that I, you know, the hardest part also I found was the not being there with them all the time because they two locations. I would feel for the person that was in the other location not running with me and vice versa, you know. So it was making sure that the team engaged the whole team, not just a bunch of individuals stuck in different locations, you know. So mm-hmm. that was the hardest part of to grow the business, to make sure that all the people were on the same page and felt like they were part of the family, not felt like they were just an isolated person, you know. And I still struggle with if I'm not there with them, I feel that I'm neglecting them, you know. Maybe that's because I'm a mother now, so I I must be neglecting them. So um, I think that having a good culture in the first place, you know, everybody signed up for the same you know, we all have the same or similar beliefs mm-hmm. um, so that we're all feeling like we belong together, you know, rather than being separate individuals, you know. And it takes a little while to get a team that are thriving in those sorts of situations. And so that was another whole learning journey for me was making sure that my team was okay. Yeah, and that's... Clients. And then yeah. last of all, <laughs> what's that? And then last of all, myself, you know. You're, oh, so yeah. Make sure the team are okay. If mm-hmm. you're ill, they're the ones that are there running. So yeah. Make sure they're okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think, it, you know, it, in a similar note, it's like, yeah, I, I, I've heard, you know, uh, something along the lines before that, like, when you're, when you're really getting the business off the ground, right? So in, in our case, in this field, when it's just us, 
going, seeing patients, talking to people, seeing dogs, you know, either as a mobile practitioner or, you know, a small location, whatever it may be, you know, our focus, it's nearly all on those dogs and those pet owners that we're kind of like dealing with. But then as we grow, that focus needs to change to the team that we have around us. Then it becomes Mm -hmm. about us giving them that support, giving them that love basically. So that way they can take that in and, and, and multiply that to the clients that they're going to be seeing on, you know, your business's behalf, basically, because otherwise you're not going to be able, you're not going to be able to individually give all that love and all that attention to every single client and patient. Yeah. So I love that. Um, And then if you were, you know, to, to talk with someone who is kind of like at the beginning of this animal physio journey, um, you know, any, any pearls of wisdoms that we didn't talk about that you would kind of like share with them? Um, yeah, only in, enjoy the ride, you know, because it's it's so much fun seeing these animals getting better, you know, mm-hmm. enjoy the ride. I mean, yes, there are times where things go horribly wrong, you know, there's a spinal tumour rather than a disc or things like that, you know, and so there are times where things don't go your way. You know, it's... Having a good support crew when you set off is absolutely priceless. I mean, I couldn't have gotten as far as I have without my long-suffering husband and all my family. You know, so for your own emotional support, make sure that you've got people around you that can help you um, and then just enjoy what you're doing mm-hmm. and try not to see all of the world as an enemy. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Especially, I suppose, I mean, where you are, there's probably more um, canine rehab people popping up all the time, you know. It's try not to see this one and that one as an enemy. The mm-hmm. veterinary in Western Australia and even in the UK, not that big over there, some of them, they're really um, us and them mentality against yeah. the other veterinary practices. You know, it's like, chill out, guys, you're all in this together. You know, and it's the same with oh, there's a new rehab person setting up. Oh no, we're all in this together. You know, exactly. we, need to, we need to support each other. Yeah. To make sure that the that the patients that we're trying to treat get the best care, whatever you know, whoever's doing it. The I got into this for the animals. You know, it really is all about helping those pets best and remembering that we're all human vets. Physios, you know, we're all human. We've all got our um, fears, but we're always stronger together. You know, the the bigger the team involved with a pet, the more likely you are to get good success. Like really good. Love it. Yeah, you know, it's it is about having you know that abundance mindset, and it, it is yeah. exactly what you said. It's like, yeah, some areas of the world, even some some countries, you know, I wouldn't even say there's true like hard competition. There's just more people doing what mm-hmm. we do, which I see it as a wonderful thing. And you know, I've talked this about multiple times on this podcast. It it gives us the ability to be able to expose the pet owner community and the veterinary community more and more to what we do. And then as people get exposed, it just helps everyone. The whole field grows because of, you know, 
this exposure that we get from more of us doing this, you know, and mm-hmm. I feel it's, you know, it, it, it would be nice if, if all of us would have this abundance mindset to understand that we all yeah. can get yeah. from this and we all have different skill sets. We all have different knowledge. We all have different skill set to bring to the table that can really complement each other. No matter, you know, if you are a physio or a physical therapist, if you are a veterinarian, if you are a chiropractor, if you are a massage therapist, an osteopath, whatever, who, you know, whoever it may be, we all come from a different background, but ultimately yeah. we all have a different skill set and different knowledge that we can all benefit uh, from each other. And of course, the pet owners and their pets can benefit the most from it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, awesome. And then as, as we start to kind of like wrap it up, are there any resources that, you know, it would be helpful for the podcast listeners that you wanted to share? Um, yeah, no, I think that the the number of resources there are now are just still not massive. Well, because I'm not a business, business person, I can't reel off all these books that I've devoured and loved (laughs) but i think that um definitely um the online pet health people are a huge resource you Mm -hmm. know fantastic for all sorts of things so uh, webinars uh, papers all of these sorts of things there's a lot to go there um i absolutely love Laurie and Hughes and her mm-hmm. um, four leg yep yeah she she's fantastic I love the pieces she just she's just so genuine and open mm-hmm. practical and some of her videos are great you know well they're all great you know some of them are, are very insightful um, and of course for running a business it took me a long time to get mentorship and it was I chose the Canine PT Academy because it was actually in the field, you know. So there are business mentors and so, yeah, that's not really my business. And there's veterinary mentors. It's, yeah, that's not really my business. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was one of these people that was sitting on the fence or being too picky to start with. But once the, you came along, Francesco, I thought, yes, no, this is totally logical. It's in my field. He's done an amazing job of getting where he is quickly as he had and you just you know you speak pure business sense to rehab you know so that's what we all need I think mm-hmm. more business sense less love the dog sense you know you need yeah. a balance yeah um, so those also, would be the resources uh, I think uh, yeah I appreciate the shout out to the can the can I be the academy and Second, yeah, online pet health in Megan Kelly's team and in the four leg program platform with Laurie Edge Hughes. I've been a member of both of those for years and years. Tremendous yeah, amount yeah. of resources there. And, you know, if you don't mind me asking, Carmel, because in yeah. terms of, you know, the Canine PT Academy and the business, our business accelerator program that you went through, you know, uh, a lot of people, you know, that, that I talk to that are interested in joining the program and this and that, you know, uh, they, they tell me that, well, I don't, they, they think that, well, I don't need to, I don't need this program because I already have a business and I've been in business for five, 10, you know, plus years, you know, whatever. So, you know, and they tend to think that, well, this is for a business or someone who's just trying to figure it out how to start and grow a business. So I would love 
to hear your perspective on it. Yeah, I think, I think that um, from my perspective, it, it's just like going back to the research refreshes for the actual physiotherapy technique. Mm -hmm. um, going back to look at what you're doing in your business or, or what you're doing to set your business up so that it runs efficiently and effectively it, it's always worth going back and or going there in the first place. You know, like I said, if you start with an admin person, then you'll have the ground laid out it properly in the first place. But mm -hmm. um, it's worth going back to um, business basics because business basics have changed and will change. You know, there's AI appearing, so. That'll change how businesses present themselves or how they do their back of house stuff. And, you know, so it's a, it's a time to be making sure that what you're doing is effective. Because mm -hmm. otherwise you can go, oh, I've run my business for 15 years now. It's always run fine. You know, then the next thing you know, it something else is going to change and you'll be sitting on the sidelines twiddling your thumbs. You know, so you've got to... <laughs> Make sure you're um, doing the things that are current mm -hmm. in the business perspective. Make sure that you're running efficiently and you're getting seen by clients or potential clients. You know, so there are tried and tested things that will always work, like getting in and speaking with your veterinary practices is a no-brainer. Very yeah. scary, but a no-brainer. Right. You know, everybody has a fear of speaking with other people that they don't know that well. But, um, you know, everybody's waiting to meet new friends and get new information. Yeah. Awesome. That's why I went to the, the, yeah. uh, the academy so that I could make sure that I was doing stuff better for the business yeah. so it ran more effectively without. Yeah, and I appreciate that vote of confidence and, uh, you know, thanks for sharing that that journey, that story. Um, cause yeah, you, you were, you were my first mentee, you know, all the way to Australia. And then since then, you know, we have had more people join us, not just from Australia, but then other places, which yeah. ties back to what we said earlier in terms of technology and being able to have that support system yeah. that it's yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be geographically close to you. Like it oh, was, yeah. you know, 20, 30 years ago or so yeah. um yeah. wonderful so carmel thanks so much i appreciate you taking the time to share uh you know i think like i said at the top of the call i think you probably have so many stories that you know we <laughs> could go on and yeah. on and on and on uh but i appreciate it we'll put the link on the show notes to your clinic activepetrehab.com uh yeah. if people want to check it out Anything else that you want to share about you, about your business, or what's coming um, up for Active Pet Rehab? No, not yet. Every time I think about, oh, I'm just going to start something wonderful, <laughs> we get something like COVID, you know. <laughs> so, so there's yeah. maybe things in the background, but there'll be a few years off. But thank you very much for having me on the podcast. It's always great to chat to you, Francis. I could just witter on for hours. You let me. <laughs> yes, I appreciate Carmo. It has been wonderful to catch up with you. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you for listening to another episode of the K9PT Academy podcast. 
Business Lessons for Canine Rehabilitation Therapist. If you enjoyed what we had to say, please make sure to share or subscribe to our podcast or even leave us a review. You can also email us at hello at caninepttacademy.com. That's hello at caninepttacademy.com with any questions or suggestions. And go to caninepttacademy.com to find more resources and content, including our fee calculator spreadsheets, which is absolutely free and will help you determine how much you should be charging for your sessions. Because let's face it, determining what we should be charging is one of the biggest struggles we have as business owners in the canine rehabilitation field. You can also find all of that information and more under the show notes. Finally, I would just like to add a disclaimer that any of my thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are mine and mine alone, and in no way reflect the opinion or position of any other organization or company I may be associated with. Thank you for listening, and remember, if you're not having fun and enjoying life or running your business, then what's the point in doing so? So please go ahead and start having some fun.